Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. A couple announcements I do want to let you know about is that just because everything that is going on Uh, doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to have services or stay connected as a body. In fact, it's going to become even more important that we stay connected. And one of the ways I found myself doing that was texting folks that um, the government and health officials are classifying as some of the most vulnerable uh, populations. Uh, those with respiratory issues, those already with uh, challenges with their immune system, those in our elder population. We want to make sure that our congregation is served and loved well. So if you hear about a need in our church, please Facebook message us. You can email me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at Emmanuel, A-G. That's E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-A-G dot com. And uh, we want to know how to be able to serve our family during this time. It's critical that we stay connected. Just last week, before all the things were really changing uh, drastically, we had 37 folks gathered in homes during our life groups. 37 individuals that got together in three different groups and just loved one another, um, grew together as they explored God's Word. Um, So just celebrating that community now is more important than ever. So stay connected. Stay connected with us. Text folks in the church. Uh, Let us know um, how we can pray for you. Let us know how we can help. Uh, We want to be serving our community actively. And one of the ways uh, that we're doing that is we're not going to stop doing what we do. We're not going to stop giving to our missionaries. It's more important now than ever. We're not going to stop sending the support to our local organizations. Um, And we thank you that we're able to do that because of your faithfulness in giving. And even though there's not a plate being passed right now and there's not a bucket going by you, let's stay faithful to the scriptures and to what God has called us to do to join him in this hour in a powerful way. We have certainty now um, that our God is going to come through for us and we're going to be able to continue to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And so we thank you that you're giving online, uh, that you're going through tidely and, and just going ahead and saying, hey, I want to continue my giving and my faithful uh, offering. Uh, you can mail it in, of course, but we just want to encourage you to, to, to not let up and don't let fear win even in your, in your finances. Uh, let's let faith triumph. But as for the past few weeks, we've been exploring Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters. And we've seen the representation that Paul depicts for the climax of the gospel narrative for this largely Gentile Christian audience. We've been encouraged by the realization that judgment and the penalty of sin, they've been eliminated from our lives as a result of the completed work of Christ. And so the shift in our lives occurs as we as believers continue to follow Christ, choose to fix our thoughts on things of the Spirit, on things above, and thus live out that life that God has both purchased for us, but also called us to. And the life He has called us to, it includes this abundance of heavenly provisions as we experience what it is like to be a part of a royal family. The inheritance we have both in this life and fully experienced in the life to come is ours because of the adoption we have in the family of God. See, it was upon Christ's death his resurrection and ascension, that a deposit was made in each one of us, guaranteeing that inheritance, the Holy Spirit. And so I'm excited that today we begin looking at Romans chapter 8, starting with the 14th verse. 
So get out your Bible, grab your family now, make sure you're ready. We want to dive into God's Word together. Let's look together at Romans chapter 8, starting in the 14th verse, going through verse 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Verse 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you an adoption to sonship, that by Him we can cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, I love this. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Let's start looking at that 14th verse first. I love the, the imagery here that Paul paints. It's that of a shepherd and his sheep. If you'll remember the series from last year, The Voice, you'll recall the nature of the true shepherd that leads and guides us. He's not a hireling. He lays his down his life sacrificially out of choice. And for Paul, the law is pictured as a tutor responsible for leading us to Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians, the third chapter, in verse 24. I'm going to start with the message translation here. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar, who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children will really get to the place they set out for. In the ESV translation, it says this in Galatians 3.24, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. Once the law served its purpose of leading us towards Christ, it was handed over. That role of leading and guiding is now the role of the Spirit, the one who guides us into all truth, as John 16, verse 13 tells us. The Holy Spirit marks us, distinguishes us as God's children. I want to tell you a story, because I don't know about you, but for me, my testimony before Christ, I was very aware of right and wrong, of sin. And and the fact that I had this template, it only pointed out how much I was a slave to sin. The power of the law in my life, it could not bring me freedom. The law never does, and the law never will. Freedom comes through Christ, and it is sustained and manifest in our lives today through the Spirit of God. Verse 15, I love how deep of a line Paul draws between what we once had and experienced while far from God, even under the law, as slaves. And that there is nothing further from a slave relationally to the slave master than a son. And Paul says that is what we are. We do not relate to God as slaves, fearful of our master's response to our presence, shrinking back even. But instead, we have been declared as part of the family forever. As many of you guys know, we're in this surreal process and journey of adopting our second child, Jojo. And we recently signed the paperwork with our attorney. And just this past week, we're in the offices at DCS. And it's always sobering when you see that name that you're giving this child on those legal documents for the first time. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll swear in at the county courthouse and the judges' chambers in front of both family and friends. And we'll declare that Josie is a part of our family forever, that we will give her a forever home. 
And God has made an even more binding contract with us, bringing us into His family forever. You know, much like our justification with God was once and for all, so also our adoption as His children doesn't need to be done repeatedly. It's a one-time occurrence that has an eternal impact. Once we were lost, but now we are found. We once were wandering, but now we have belonging. We once were homeless without direction, but now we have a forever home and know whose we are. I love how Paul continues in verse 15. He says that we have a spirit of adoption to sonship by which we call out to God, Abba, Father. This repetition of first the Aramaic word for father and then the Greek word, it emphasizes the removal of approaching God with any fear because we come as a family member adopted into the most royal dynasty. So there's no place for fear here. This is better than if you had just come into this on your own, as if you were born into it. Instead, He has chosen you. You have been adopted. You belong forever. There's no room for fear. I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Think about that. God is going to freely give us His Holy Spirit. This is because we're His children. And Jesus is telling us that even in our fallen nature and evil states, we know how to treat our children. How much more our Father in heaven, He's going to freely give us what we need. And it is in His Holy Spirit. And so in verse 16 of chapter 8 here in Romans, Paul continues. He says it's the Spirit of God that He gives generously to His children who ask, testifying with our spirit, that we are God's children. This is what bears witness with us today. And it is crucial that we operate in a life that is led by the Spirit. There's no room for fear here. It's no new news to you that what is going on around the world and in our nation is is bringing panic and fear. And like you, I've seen the memes, I've seen the stats, the numerous reports, and at the end, we have to operate with wisdom and common sense, bolstering our hygiene and taking the proper precautions because it is affecting those in our area, those with weak immune systems, respiratory issues, and even our elderly. But what I've also heard reported is FDR's most famous quote, from which he gave at his inaugural address. And he comes on the hills of some really dark hours in our history, a season of economic depression. And he says this at that inaugural address. He says, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And there's a lot of truth to that, even for us today, as a body of believers. The paralysis of fear can do immense damage. It can halt societies in their tracks. It can damage our economy. It can weaken the physical body. It can even display to our children an unhealthy way to respond to situations that are out of our control. But what fear also says to God may even be greater. It says we don't trust you. It says we don't really believe that we are your children and that you will take care of us. Fear can't stand in the presence of legitimacy. 
Let me say that again. Fear can't stand in the presence of legitimacy. And that is what you are. You are legitimate. You are a son. You are a daughter. And fear has no place in your life or in your spirit because the spirit of God dwells within you. And so here we go into verse 17 of chapter 8. And Paul says, he traces out our spiritual lineage through these verses. He says, you were once slaves to sin, but now you're a child of God. And now you're also an heir with Christ, our elder brother. Galatians has a lot of this same language addressing some of the same issues. And I consider Galatians to kind of be Romans' uh, little brother, shorter in length. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And in verse 7, he says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Isn't that incredible? Because we are his children, we also have the same great inheritance that we can expect Christ would receive. We're co-heirs. What a celebration. Well, as we continue, we see that the mature children in Christ are, are believers that are experiencing a relational dynamic. Believers in Christ live out in obedience to the Father with sins forgiving, walking in the Spirit, and fulfilling the law of Christ, which is that law of love. And because they are now mature, we as believers have this virtue to incorporate into the person and work of Christ. We're no longer slaves. We have the redemptive and historical status as sons and heirs. You're a son. You're a daughter. And this is the place from which we operate. Fear has no place as we stand in the full love of God. We're accepted. We're forgiven. And we've been given freedom as His children. Listen to what John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The, love, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And right now, I want that love of God to drive out all fear in our lives, to drive out all that fear in our society. Devil, you have no place among the children of God, media, cultural society, CNN, political officials, school headmasters. Listen carefully to our loud love. Listen to our lives as we live out according, not the flesh, not to succumb to a life of fear, but rather a life lived according to the Spirit and exhibit a life of peace. The peace that you will see in the people of God, it's not going to make sense. It's going to transcend understanding. It will be remarkable, and it will point to one who is able. We have a God, a Father, who is able. He's a good Father. And I believe the Lord is going to do something special in these moments of uncertainty. And what is being removed from us is our ability to depend upon the economy and our finances. What is being removed from us is our ability to control what happens around us. But what we replace these things with will be vital to our soul as we choose to respond in faith, placing our trust in the one who has it all along. We can trust in Him. He does the impossible. And everything that will be shaken, it will be shaken. But He remains the same. Think of this. I remember uh, just this last week, we took our youth this past Thursday to a movie premiere for I Still Believe. And without spoiling what happens in the movie, Jeremy Camp's wife says this about her faith. She says, suffering doesn't minimize faith. It refines it. 
I love that. And this is so true. We see this in the book of James, the first chapter, that it is the testing of our faith that develops within us something that will remain. Perseverance, maturity, and wisdom. And Jesus told us that in this world, we would have trouble, but he didn't stop there. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. We are walking with one who has already overcome the world. He's not surprised by anything that we're facing. And we're connected, having found our forever family with the one who has overcome the world. The overcomer of anything and everything that would ever face us has also the power of the Holy Spirit within us to live the life that we were destined for all along. And that's to overcome. So I want to encourage you today. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Tune your ears to what builds you up, not tears you down. Now is the time to have our mind fixed on Him and walk in perfect peace. Isn't that what Isaiah 26 verse 3 reminds us of? That you keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, speaking of the Lord, because He trusts in you. And that is true. That is His promise. When our mind is fixed on Him, He will give us his eternal peace. And as Paul continues in verse 17, he says, being an heir with Christ doesn't only grant us this, these glamorous moments, but inherits for us the same process by which our faith may be purified, if indeed we share in his sufferings. Romans 8, 18 through 21 says this, I consider that our present sufferings, they're not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation the creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated, he says in verse 21, liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Isn't this incredible that even the creation itself recognizes that the restored order has not yet occurred? And so verse 18, he says, there's this impact of sin that can't compare to what Christ has done for us, the redemption, but so too our present sufferings can't compare to the glory that will one day be revealed in us. There is simply no comparison. It is literally apples and oranges, corona and flu, Right? It isn't even a comparison. Our suffering will pale in light of the glory that God is going to reveal in us and through us. So in closing, I want us to think about these things. How the rest of creation recognizes the misalignment to the original order. The rest of the creation, created uh, universe recognizes that we are not operating as we were originally intended. They are crying out for redemption and redemption in its full. Genesis 1 verse 26 says this, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. When God created mankind, He did so with a purpose, so that they may rule and rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, all the creatures that move along the ground, he said, so that they may rule. 
In verse 28, he goes on in Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He echoes this purpose again when God speaks this blessing of fruitfulness over that original couple. They were intended to have dominion. You see, the hierarchy was to be God is supreme over all creation. And all created things were intended to be subjected to that which was created in His image and His likeness. Us. And in representing God, we were to have dominion and rule over that which was on this earth. Not speaking of other people, but the other created things. And all creation fills the effects of sin from that original disobedience. The frustration of the animal and plant world is all part of the consequences of sin. But just as we all felt the effects of sin, so creation desires to feel the effects of redemption. And Paul says all, that all of creation is eagerly awaiting for the revelation of the freedom and glory of the children of God. Your created par- purpose, it has ripples. It's going to affect others around you as well as the created order. We will begin to see Christ's redemption bringing about full restoration in all areas. What was intended from the beginning for us to have dominion and rule, will it happen? If we continue to allow sin to have a counterfeit dominion over us and we remain slaves to sin and never experience the freedom with which Christ has purchased for us, then we never will experience that that full redemption in the created order. But if we, through the Spirit, operate as children of God, walk in our created calling and purpose, then also the rest of creation rejoices with the full order of all that He designed. Today is our day. Son, daughter of God, find your place. Created for you since the beginning. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed and not cursed. And everything you put your hand to, it will prosper. These are His promises. This is God's desire for His children. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for everyone that is watching this at home and those that it was shared with around the world. God, I believe that in these critical hours, you're asking us to have our ear attuned to your voice more than ever. So Lord, help us. Help us to have that grace that we can walk in, to be empowered to live this life to the fullest that you created us to experience it. Lord, let us lay down the weights that so easily entangle us, the sins that maybe have been besetting us. God, we're going to see chains break off in this season because we're turning to you instead of to the government or media, but we're saying, God, only you can. All things may look impossible, but for you. It doesn't matter how much quarantining we would do, but for you. So God, while we move forward as a community of faith, it's going to be through those veins that we operate through faith. So Lord, strengthen our faith. Be with those that are feeble right now, God, in, in, in both their, their body as well as their soul. God, I ask that you would divinely visit them, speak to them, encourage them. We thank you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your peace that you give us that passes all understanding. You are good and your love endures forever. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us. Amen and amen. 
I hope you'll stay tuned for how we'll be sharing uh, future services online for as long as we need to. Uh, We definitely look forward to getting back together and imagine what that day is going to be like when we worship together again, together in person, face to face. But until then, stay connected to one another, text one another, call one another, check in on one another. Let us know how we can be praying for you and how we can serve you. We love you and God bless.